Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. Well, I also want to welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everyone who's in the worship center in the room with us here on the Modesto campus. Welcome to everybody who's joining us live online. Thank you, my friend. If it is your first time here, we want you to know we're really, really glad that you're here. Welcome. We hope that today is an incredible encouragement in your life. If this is the first time you have been here in like a really long time, we want to say welcome back and we're glad that you're here. It is our hope today to call you into hope in Jesus Christ, that you might experience true life, the life that you are meant to live because of the life that Jesus Christ offers. And so, if you're brand new, whether in the room or we're in the room with you online, welcome. We hope that today is an incredible experience for you. We're gonna be in the Gospel of Mark today, so if you have a Bible, you could take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of Mark. We'll be in chapter 15 and 16. If you don't have a Bible, we've got two ways we can get you one. The first of all, if you're here on the Modesto campus here in the Worship Center, right after the gathering, we have this room here, the altar room. It's a room we pray for people in. In fact, we'll invite you to come for prayer to that room after the gathering. We've got Bibles in there. They're nice Bibles. They're free Bibles. We wanna give one to you. If you're with us in the online campus, all you need to do is reach out to Pastor Brandon Peterson, our online campus pastor, and our online campus team is gonna get you a Bible. We want you to have a Bible. We want everyone to have a copy of the Word of God. We're gonna have a great time looking at a text today, but before we do, I wanna talk about some hits, greatest hits. In fact, the greatest of the greatest hits. In fact, what the world has declared is the greatest of the greatest hits album ever. And I wanna know if you know what it is. So this is a participatory moment. You're gonna to turn to the person next to you. This is a talking church moment. You're gonna to turn to the person next to you. You're gonna tell them what you think is the greatest, greatest hits album of all time. Right now, go ahead. Speak in church, all right? Talk to the person next to you. Oh, this is awesome. There's actually debate going on in the room right now. Well, the world has already spoken. The world's already voted because over 38 million copies were sold of The Eagles' Greatest Hits, 1971 through 1975. Some of you are going, I don't even know who they are. 10 tracks, it's 43 minutes and eight seconds long. And it summarizes the greatest hits 
of the Eagles, and the world has declared through purchasing it that it's the greatest hits album, the greatest, greatest hits album of all time. What would be the greatest hits of your life if you were to take 10 moments, 43 minutes and eight seconds of your life, and you were to put it together in a greatest hits album? What would be the greatest hits that would make up your life? I'm telling you right now, it's my hope that faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as Savior from sin would be the top track that hits the charts of your life. And that it might be that today, for some of you, today is gonna be a greatest hits moment in your life. Because we're gonna invite you to place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord God and Savior from sin. When we think about Holy Week, Palm Sunday was last weekend, and then Good Friday, and then Resurrection Sunday. When we think about Holy Week, when we look at the text that we're gonna look at today, we're gonna look at it through the lens of how does it impact one person, one person's life, and how that one person and their life interacts with this week, Holy Week, where the resurrection takes place, and how it impacts them. And the person we're gonna look at is Peter. And we're gonna look at his life through the lens of his greatest hits. Let me share with you some of the greatest hits of the life of Peter who lived at the time of Christ, who knew Jesus Christ, who was a part of his group. One of the ways that Jesus got to know Peter, one of the first things that happened, it was a greatest hits moment in the life of Peter, is Jesus told Peter, put your net out into the water. And when he put his net out into the water, so many fish came into his net, Peter was a fisherman, that when they pulled the net up, they had to call another boat to come help them, and they filled both boats up with the fish. It was a greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Soon after that, another greatest hits moment, Jesus told Peter, you are a fisherman, but I am going to make you into a person who catches people. You're gonna be a fisher of men. It was a greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Another greatest hits moment in the life of Peter is Peter was there when Jesus had a few loaves and a few fish and he miraculously multiplied a few loaves and a few fish and he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Peter was there and he witnessed that miracle take place. A greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Another greatest hits moment in the life of Peter is Peter had faith. He had faith enough to ask Jesus, call me out onto the water with you. Call, call me to walk on the water to you. And Peter believed it would happen. And Peter took steps out onto the water. Incredible. Greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Another moment is that Peter asked this incredible question. He asked this question, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He's saying, Jesus, who else are we supposed to follow? Who else are we supposed to follow? Who else is worthy to follow but you? An incredible greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Another greatest hits moment in the life of Peter is when he confessed what he believed to be true about Jesus Christ. And he looked at Jesus Christ and he said, you 
are Jesus Christ. You are Christ, the son of the living God. Greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Not all the greatest hits moment in the life of Peter went so smooth. There was one point where Jesus said something to Peter. Peter didn't like the way it sounded coming out of Jesus' mouth. Peter told Jesus he was wrong. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Another greatest hits moment in the life of Peter soon after that is Jesus looked at Peter and said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Another greatest hits moment in the life of Peter, him and some buddies, they go on a hike with Jesus up to a mountain and in front of them, they see with their own eyes, Jesus transfigured into his glorious state right there in front of them. They literally witnessed Jesus be transfigured into his glorious state, an incredible greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Another greatest hits moment, Jesus was having dinner with his boys and he wanted to have a leadership moment with them. And so he shows them what a leader does. And he gets up and he wraps a towel around his waist and he gets down onto the ground and he starts washing the men's feet. He wants to show them what it is to serve. And when it gets to Peter, Peter says, there's no way you're gonna wash my feet. I'm not, you're not washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. And Jesus says to him, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter's like, well, then give me a bath. Wash my head and wash my hands. He, Peter literally asked God, give me a bath. Greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Another moment, greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. He's a passionate man, big burly fisherman man. He's full of zeal, full of guts. And he thinks Jesus is being threatened. He sees that Jesus, he thinks that he needs to defend Jesus. And so he pulls out his sword and he tries to chop off a guy's head and he misses and he gets his ear. He cuts off his ear. Bad aim, but full of passion. <laughs> greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. Another greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. They're in a boat. They're in the boat with the guys. They see Jesus on the shore. He gets so excited. He wants to see Jesus so bad. He takes off his clothes and he starts swimming. He jumps out of the boat and starts swimming to shore just because he wants to be with Jesus. Greatest hits moment in the life of Peter. All of these greatest hits moment in the life of Peter, they all have one thing in common. Jesus. Every one of these greatest hits moments in the life of Peter was connected to Jesus Christ. Jesus was the reason Peter had greatest hits. Now, not all the moments in Peter's life were greatest hits. He had some mistakes. He had sins. In fact, we're gonna look at one moment. It might be called Peter's worst failure. And his worst failure happens right before the text we're gonna look at today, which is describing what happens in Holy Week regarding the resurrection. So Jesus has been captured and he's being brought to trial and someone sees Peter in the vicinity and says, hey, don't, aren't you with him? He says, I'm not, I'm not with him. I don't know him. No, oh, surely you're with him, I've seen you with him. No, I don't know the man. You're talking about well you you talk like him you, you're from the same area I can tell by your accent that you're with him curses on me I swear I do not know the man 
And when he realized he just disowned Jesus, it says he went out and he wept bitterly. As he realizes, he just said he did not know the person who was the reason his life had greatest hits. This is the darkest moment in Peter's life. It's the worst moment in his life. And the reason that I know it is so deep and it is so dark, because we see the picture of someone else who betrayed Jesus. That person's name was Judas. And when Judas came to realize what he had done, that he had betrayed Jesus Christ, the Son of God, when Judas realized it, Judas went out and hung himself. That's how deep and dark of a moment this is. Peter is at the bottom. He's at the bottom. And that is the moment we find Peter in when we come to this week in history. We call it Holy Week, Easter. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. That is the place Peter is in. He is at rock bottom. And what we're gonna look at is the true story of Peter's life as it interacts with the true historical account of the resurrection. The resurrection Easter is a true story. It's a historical account and it has many parts and it has many more parts than what we're gonna look at today but we're gonna look at some really important parts of the resurrection, what we call Easter as a holiday. It's the resurrection and it's a true story with many parts. The first part, part number one, is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is about when Jesus was placed on a cross. And our passage explains to us what happened. We're gonna pick up our passage in Mark chapter 15, verse 22. It says, they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Those four words right there, let me explain to you what it means. We have a cross here. It's a very beautiful cross. It's got beautiful flowers on it. The cross that Jesus was crucified on did not look like this. It was an instrument of torture. There would have been a beam going up, and there would have been a beam going to the side. They would have stretched him out, and with nails, they would have attached his hands to the beam that's going to the cross, the side by side. And then they would have put his, his ankles over each other, and they would have driven a nail between to hold both of his legs in place. Then they would have lifted up the, be the beams of wood and he would be suspended in the air. The cross would not be what is holding Jesus up in the air. If it were just a body on the piece of wood, the body would fall down when the cross was lifted. The reason Jesus' body was suspended in air is because of nails. Nails are what kept him suspended in the air. Nails that went through his body. Nails that were attached to those beams of wood. This is a brutal, horrendous, torturous scene in those four words, and they crucified him. The text goes on to say, and they divided up his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. Jesus is still alive nailed to the cross, and they're dividing up his stuff. He's not even dead yet, and they are gambling to see who gets his possessions. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. 
And the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. Now the Jews were not happy that this title was placed above Jesus. And the Romans did it really in spite of the Jews. But this is what the sign said that hung above Jesus. And it showed, here's his crime. The crime is he's the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So the cross would have been on a road that was very busy. A lot of people are going by. There's multiple crosses we see here. There's multiple people who are hung on the cross that day. And people are mocking him, ridiculing him, and taking the words of Jesus, his own words, and twisting them and throwing those words back at him. That is the scene of what has taken place. So also the chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying he saved others, he cannot save himself. These are the religious leaders, and they are also mocking him, saying this is what he said. He said he could save other people. He can't even save himself. And they're ridiculing him. They're taking his own words, they're twisting him, and they're throwing right back at him. They continue to mock him with this phrase, let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. They're not saying this genuinely. They're mocking him by calling him the Christ. They're not meaning it. They're mocking him by calling him King of Israel. They're not meaning it. They're mocking him by saying, if you came down, we would see and believe. They didn't mean it. They're mocking him. Not only that, those who were crucified with him also reviled him. The very people who were on crosses next to him, they're, they're on the cross also. They're making fun of him. They're mocking him. They're reviling him. They're saying insults at him. This is the scene, the true historical account of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's part one. It is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Part two, the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the purpose for which, why the cross was used. The crucifixion, its goal was to lead to death. And we see in this text how that happens. In verse 33, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemus the back the nigh, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he said this, he's actually quoting scripture to fulfill prophecy in scripture. Some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed so that way they can lift it up and they gave it to him to drink saying, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. The point of why they put him on the cross was for this moment. It was to bring him to death. And he breathed his last. And when he breathed his last, some supernatural things take place. It says the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This, this curtain would have been really thick and really big. I wonder whose hands reached down and grabbed it from top to bottom and ripped it from top to bottom. I wonder whose those hands belong to as the temple of the curtain, this massive, massive curtain was torn from top to bottom. And when the centurion, this is the Roman guard who was there to make sure that he stayed on the cross and died on the cross, 
who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was the son of God. The very person who is there to make sure he dies on that cross now sees the way he dies. He sees the supernatural things that are taking place and says, wow, truly, this man was the son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph and Salome. And when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. It's describing the eyewitnesses of the account. These are eyewitnesses of a true historical moment where they see Jesus on the cross, but not only on the cross, they see Jesus die on the cross. And that is part two. It is the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, which brings us to part three, the burial of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What to do with the body? What to do now with this body? Verse 42 helps us understand. It says, when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, this would have been Friday, that is the day before the Sabbath, the Sabbath would have been Saturday. So the, he's on the cross, he dies on the cross, and now they're gonna take care of his burial. This is all on a Friday. Since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, that would have been Saturday, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who himself also was looking for the kingdom of God, he took courage. Why did he need to take courage? Well, because he's a part of the very religious group who put Jesus on the cross. He's a part of the very group who wanted Jesus on the cross. And so he had to break rank here, and that took courage and boldness. And we see courage and boldness in him as he went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Jesus. Again, this is confirming eyewitness accounts that Jesus died on the cross. Confirmation that he was dead. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him, Jesus, down, he wrapped Jesus in the linen shroud and he laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. You need to think like out of a side of a hill or out of, out of a mountain, right? A big cave that had been cut, something like that. With a big stone, it says he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb to seal it. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. In other words, more eyewitnesses, more eyewitnesses of the historical account that Jesus was not only on the cross, but that he died on that cross and that he was taken off that cross and he was placed in a tomb and then that tomb was sealed. Eyewitnesses account to part three. Now, if that's the end of the story, we have no reason to gather together today. If the story ends right there, there's no point for us all to be in the room. But the story doesn't end right there. And that brings us to part number four, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We see in verse one of chapter 16, when the Sabbath was passed, so again, Friday, on the cross, dies on the cross, and is buried in the tomb. Then the Sabbath passed, that's Saturday. So when the Sabbath is passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they may go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. You have to picture this moment like a family who would go to a funeral home for someone that had just died in their family and they're gonna go take care of the body. That, that you have to look at this moment in that lens. That's the purpose of what they were doing. They were gonna go take care of the body like loved ones would at the funeral home. But there's no funeral home because he's in a tomb. So they're going to the tomb. And they've got all the supplies that are ready to do the job. A very hard job. Very hard job. And when they were 
saying to one another, who's going to roll away the stone for us at the entrance of the tomb? I mean, they've got a logistical problem here, and they've got this huge, massive rock, and they know that they're not going to be able to move it. I'm like, man, how are we going to do this? How are we going to take care of the body? And so looking up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled back, and it was very large. They see, well, problem solved. The, the stone's gone. The stone's been moved. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Yeah, I guess they would be. That's not what they were coming to do. That's not what they were coming to find. And here they're seeing a young man dressed in a white robe. They're seeing an angelic being, and they're alarmed. And the first thing the angelic being, the young man says to them, do not be alarmed. Anytime in the Bible it says, do not be alarmed, it's because people are freaking out. (laughs) And they're freaking out in this moment. Because this is not what they're expecting to be the case. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. They understood that. That's why they were there. What they didn't understand is the next line. He has risen. He has risen. And he is not here. See the place where they laid him. They were coming to take care of a body that was dead. But the body they were coming to take care of was not dead. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. These are the first people to understand that the resurrection had taken place. And they get this incredible news that Jesus Christ is no longer dead. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Incredible. Now, if the story would stop right there, it'd be enough. It would be enough. If the story stopped right there, it would be incredible and it would be enough. Because there was a person who was put on a cross and who died on a cross and who was taken off that cross and was put dead in a tomb and that tomb was sealed. And on the third day, that person was resurrected to new life and that alone would be enough for the most incredible story in the history of the world. But what is so incredible about the true story of the resurrection is that the story does not stop there because the resurrection, it does not just impact Jesus. The resurrection now impacts everyone. And that's what we see in the next part of the story. And that brings us to part five. And that is the resurrection and it's the true life that is found in Jesus. The true life in the resurrected person of Jesus Christ. The resurrection, the true life is for you. The resurrection, the true life is for you. We see this in the next verse. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee and there you will see him just as he told you. The resurrection does not just impact Jesus. The resurrected Jesus now impacts everyone. And people actually see eyewitness to the historical account of Jesus resurrected. When Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, I want to remind you of the things that are most important. Here they are. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried And that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas. 
He appeared then to the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. And then he goes on to say, in fact, many of those people are still alive at the time that he wrote it. A massive amount of eyewitnesses to the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. There you will see him. The resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, it impacts everyone. And I want to show just how it impacts you. And I want to use the very first line from this verse. It says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. What's so incredible to me is that there is one person named And that one person who is named is Peter. One person is named in this story after the resurrection of Jesus Christ that the message of the resurrection, we need to make sure that the message of the resurrection gets to this one person. And the one person who is named is Peter. And what's so incredible to me is not just that it's one person who is named, but the person who is named. This person had just denied knowing Jesus three times. This person was in the darkest moment of their entire life. This person was in the middle of their worst failure. They were sunk deep in their sin. This person was at rock bottom. And the message of the resurrection is, go tell his disciples that Jesus is alive and you make sure Peter hears about it. That is incredible to me. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ is good enough to bring true life to a person who has sinned against God as badly as Peter has, curses on me, I swear I do not know him. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ is good enough to bring true life to a person who has sinned against God as greatly as Peter, then the resurrection of Jesus Christ is good enough to bring true life to a person like me and a person like you who has sinned against God in the way we have. Let me make this very, very personal. But go tell his disciples and Joel. I know my sin. I know my darkest moments. I know my worst failures. I am very well aware of the worst moments of my life. I try to forget them, I can't. And if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is good enough to bring true life to someone like me, who has sinned so grossly against God and his creation, then the resurrection of Jesus Christ has got to be good enough to bring true life to you, no matter what you have done to sin against God, no matter what you have done to sin against God's creation. If it is good enough for Peter and it is good enough for me, it has got to be good enough for you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ can save you. Let me make this very personal, but go tell his disciples and insert your name right there. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is impacting lives even right now. And I am a part of the go tell his disciples and I'm telling you right now, 
insert your name. Jesus can save you. You may think that Jesus cannot save you from your worst sin. Jesus can save you. You may think that Jesus cannot save you from the darkest moment in the history of your life. Jesus can save you. You may think that your worst failures have discounted you from salvation and you have been eliminated from the plan of God and he's turned his back on you and you have no hope of heaven. Jesus can save you. The life of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, the burial of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your life can be changed to have resurrected true new life in Jesus Christ. Jesus can save you. I don't know what the 10 tracks are and the 43 minutes and eight seconds that are the greatest hits of your life. I don't know what they all are. And I don't know what the worst failure of your life is and the deepest, darkest moment of your life. I don't know what that is. But what I do know is that Jesus died for you and he died for me and that you can have new life, resurrected life because of Jesus Christ. My question would be, are you ready? Are you ready to have true life, resurrected life in Jesus Christ? Are you ready to no longer be defined by the worst failure of your life, to no longer be defined by the darkest moment of your life, to no longer be defined by your worst sin, that you might be defined by Jesus. You might be defined by true life and resurrected life in Jesus Christ. And I wanna know, are you ready? I wanna share with you two verses that I think really, really clearly explain it, how to have life. Jesus came and said this. This is a quote from Jesus. I came that they may have life. This is the reason why Jesus came. He came so that you might have life. Jesus Christ wants to give you life, full life, the best kind of life, a greatest hits kind of life. I came that they may have life. And you might be saying, well, I wanna have that life. What do I need to do to have that life? Well, this next verse, I think it is so simple and it is so clear to explain how do you access that life. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you will be saved. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, to pay for your sin, that he was taken off that cross, he was buried in a tomb, and that on Sunday he was resurrected to new life. Believe in him. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. And the way you access, access that life is that you would believe in the Lord Jesus, that you might have salvation. Now, if you're here and you're saying, I want that, I wanna make a decision to have life in Jesus today. I wanna have life, I wanna believe in the Lord Jesus. I wanna have salvation in him. If you're here and you want that, I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you right now. And if you're here and you wanna have new life in Jesus Christ, you wanna make a decision for Jesus Christ, I would love to pray for you right now. And if that you, that's you, that describes you, you're here and you're ready and you wanna have life in Jesus Christ, I would just invite you to stand right where you are and I wanna pray for you. I invite you to stand. Did he just say stand? Yeah, I did. I, I invite you to stand. Awesome, right there. Wonderful, awesome, right there. 
Awesome. That's great. Awesome. Wonderful. 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 That's awesome. Who else? That's great. Man, you might be thinking, there's Velcro on the seats. No, there's not. Stand up. It's awesome. More people are standing. That's awesome. Man, you're here and you want to have life. I want to pray for you. That's awesome. Wonderful. That's great. You might be thinking, man, they got magnets on these seats. Keep No, we turned all the magnets off. All of them are off. Man, just stand up. I want to pray for you right now. It's going to take courage, and it's going to take boldness. That is awesome. It's going to take courage and boldness, and I want to pray for you. That is so wonderful. That is awesome. It's awesome. It's great. whole bunch of people standing. Great. That's great. Now, I know what's about to happen. I'm going to start praying, and some of you are sneak standers. You're going to sneak, you're going to sneak stand right when I start praying. You might as well stand now. That's awesome. That's great. As soon as I start praying, you're going to stand anyway. It's awesome. All right, I'm going to pray. That's wonderful. I'm going to pray. Father God, look at all the people that are standing. They're responding to you. They want to have you. They want to have life in Jesus Christ. They're saying, I want to have that life. I want to know Jesus. More people are standing right now. God, you're bringing people up out of their seats right now. God, they're saying they want to have you. They want to have life. And so God, what I'm asking is, is I don't know what all their greatest hits are and I don't know what all their worst failures are, but God, you see it all and I'm asking that you would meet them right where they are. And whatever's going on in their life right now, God, that you would just draw them to yourself. And Lord, that you would help them to place their faith in you. That you would meet them right where they are right now and that they would place their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord God and Savior from sin. If you are standing right now, or if you're sitting, and you should be standing right now, and you are making a decision for Jesus Christ, I would encourage you right now to tell God, thank you for saving me. I would, I would tell him. Say, say to God, I'm believing in the Lord Jesus. Say to God, I'm believing that Jesus is my savior. And you just tell him, God, thank you for loving me. I'm believing in Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. God, I'm looking around and I'm just blown away. Seeing you work. And I'm asking God that you would bless these who are standing. There are so many. You would bless them and you would help them each and every step of the way as they're walking with you. And so God, I'm asking for your best on all of them. I'm asking God that you would bless them. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. Let's appreciate what God is doing here. That's awesome. That's awesome. So great. Oh. If you were standing, you can have a seat. And, and I just, I just want to encourage everyone here. As a pastor, as a part of a church, I just want you to know we care so much about what's happening in your life right now. And we would really like to walk with you. And I want to ask every, we've been talking about this Connect card. I'm just going to ask everybody to pull the Connect card out. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. It's super important. And you'll see why as I explain it. But I'm asking you to participate, everyone to participate. I'm assuming you've already filled out the front. If you don't, you can catch up right now. On the back, I'm going to ask every person here to do one of three things. If you are making a decision for Christ today, will you please let us know? 
Right here at the top of this card, it says, my decision. Today, I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If that describes you today, the decision you're making, will you please check this box and let us know? We so want to know the decision that you're making because we want to encourage you and we want to walk with you. The next box says, today, I responded and reaffirmed, renewed my relationship with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that describes the decision that you're making today, please check that box and let us know. We want to walk with you. It might be you're deciding that you want to be baptized today or you want to become a member here at the church. Whatever the decision is that you're making, if you're making a decision, will you please check that box and let us know? This is a bridge. This card is a bridge between you and me. It's a bridge between you and the team here. And we want to walk across that bridge with you as you're following Jesus Christ. The second thing is maybe you would write down the name of a person you're hoping will come to know Jesus Christ. I would say just write that person's name down and we'll pray with you as you're praying for that person to come to know Jesus Christ. A third thing might be, how can we be praying for you? What's a way that we could be praying for you and your family? And I just wanna encourage you that everyone would do at least one of those three. Maybe you're gonna do all three of them, but maybe you do one, please do at least one You'd let us know the decision you're making. You'd let us know a person that you can, we can be praying for. Or you'd let us know how we could be praying for you. And I'm asking that you would do this right now. The reason is, during this next song, we're actually going to collect these cards. We're going to collect them at this moment in the service, okay? During this next song, I'm asking that you would pass all the cards to the aisle. Our team is going to come up and down the aisles, and we are going to collect all these cards. So I am asking you to fill these cards out right now. This is a way that we can know what's going on in your life and this church family can walk with you and that's what we wanna do. I'm gonna invite you to stand. I'm gonna pray for us and then our team is gonna lead us in singing one last song and during this song, you'll pass your cards to the aisle and we're gonna collect the connect cards during this song. Father God, Lord, it is amazing to watch you work. God, if you don't work, no work happens. And it's amazing to watch you work. And God, I am so thankful that we no longer have to be defined by our worst failures. Because we can be defined by our Savior. We can be defined by Jesus. We can be defined by true life. We can be defined by salvation. We can be defined by the resurrection. Because the resurrection changes everything. And it changes everything in our lives. And so, God, thank you. God, I pray that for every one of us, that the number one track that hits the charts of our life of the greatest hits would be you. That you would be at the top of the charts. God, would you be our greatest hit? And would our life be changed because of you? Lord, we love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. Let's pass the cards to the aisle during the next song.